It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solid. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Kat and Paul Pickett. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, and on iHeartRadio. The Dolphins fall to the New York Jets, much to our shock, 20-6 to this past weekend to fall to 1-1. One one. This is like, I tell you, this is like waking up uh, on Friday with a, a massive hangover but you uh, still have to go to work the next day. You're irritable, but you just kind of got to kind of trudge through the mess. And that's what we're going to do here on the show. We're going to be here every week for you, grading the position, grading the players. Paul, you were at the game this past weekend in New York uh, for the MetLife Takeover. Tell us a little bit about your experience. Yeah, up until the game started, it, it was a pretty amazing weekend. We actually went in Saturday. Met up with a bunch of Dolphins fans down at Slattery's for the pre-party Saturday night. Got to see some old faces from uh, some of the Web Weekend crew, whether it's the folks from Dolphins NYC, uh, whether it's from Dolphins Make Me Cry. Got to bump into our old co-host Brian Miller on Sunday morning. He wasn't there Saturday night, which was all, it's always great to see Brian. And and really a whole lot of folks that, that really were a good time. Uh, Solo D came and performed at the pre-party Saturday night. And then Sunday, it was a really, really cool tailgate. Jason Jenkins, Tom Garfinkel, Nat Moore, uh, Joe Rose, who did his live show from the tailgate, which I actually have a really funny story with Joe from the tailgate. Uh, I know Hal Habib, but we've had on the show a few times out at the tailgate. Solo D performed. We had thousands upon thousands of Dolphins fans all out there tailgating together, even though we only had a little over a thousand sitting together. I mean, it was it was huge, and it was just like the week leading up, a lot of the Jets fans weren't really being jerks because they kind of expected Miami to do the same thing we all expected Miami to do and blow the Jets out. As far as Joe Rose goes, I've gotten to talk to the man a few times. He's a great guy. He's lots of fun to hang out with. Anybody that's gotten to meet Joe can tell you that. But uh, my parents and my uncle actually uh, also went to the takeover as well. And Joe saw me, gave each other a quick high five and a hug and whatever, talked for a minute. And I got to talking to somebody else and turned around and I looked over. And there's Joe standing there flirting with a woman. So I walked up to Joe, put my hand on his back, and I said to him, I said, Joe, I said, we've got thousands of people out here at the tailgate and you have to gravitate over and hit on my mom of all people. And he just looked at me, smiled, and hung his head and said, you know, some things never change, bud. Sorry, man. <laughs> it started laughing. So, I mean, it, it, it was it was, it was was freaking hilarious. Yeah, he asked me how the heck I got a mom like that. And I told him, I said, you know, I said, I asked my dad the same thing all the time, how I got a mom like that, too. So, you know, it, it's all good. But, yeah, it was, it was absolutely hilarious seeing that and getting to see some of the special things. Like, I know Jason Jenkins, when he found out about some of the people that were going over to London, uh, we had one guy that actually went from Sydney, flew to L.A., watched the game against the Chargers last week, flew to New York, went to the takeover with all of us, and then is flying from New York to London next week before flying home from London to Sydney. So, I mean, he's following all through. And, and getting to talk to Jason about that and see what he does for a lot of fans behind the scenes you know, not being a guy that's really at the forefront as much. He he really drives a lot of stuff, just like you and I have experienced with a lot of the behind-the-scenes Dolphins folks. So it was really cool seeing him do a lot of things for these guys. And speaking of which, just want to let anybody know, if you're going to be in London next week, the Hard Rock Cafe in London, the Dolphins do have their giant Dolphins takeover, they're calling it, at the Hard Rock Cafe. 
both Friday, September 29th, Saturday, September 30th, from 11 a.m. to 1 a.m. Wear your Dolphins gear. They're going to have specials, contests, giveaways, Dolphins alumni that we all grew up watching, the cheerleaders, Finn's Forge, PD the mascot. Yay. Uh, but, you know, it's, they're doing a lot of stuff over there at the Hard Rock in London. It's a good chance for, for folks to get together with everybody. I talked to Finn's Troopers. I know they're going to be over there on, on Saturday night. Uh, I think Rick, a.k.a. FinFet, is going to be there as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of really good folks that, that are going to be over there. So, hopefully they get to see something a little bit better than what we got to see this past week. Because once that game started, in the brutal South Florida weather in Jersey, which I still have the really screwed up tan lines from from this weekend. It was hot, and it it started out looking like Miami was going to do something good. They shut the Jets down on their first possession, three and out, but it was still like, okay, we're all right here. But then from that point on, it was really brutal. I know we want to get get back to our coverage here. I know a lot of our listeners want to hear it, but I wanted to share a couple of those stories. Big thank you to, to Alex, Michelle, Igor, Brian Hoffman, and then everybody else that really made the MetLife takeover possible. Outside of the game, it was a really, really fun, great time. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. And if it if it makes you feel any better, I had a buddy who whose mom once got hit on by Tony Saragusa. So, you know, it's always interesting. I think you came out on the, on, on the better end of that one. Yes, so <laughs> Paul, let's let's look at the game here again. It was pathetic. I mean, and I'll tell you what, just just to take a high level look at this. Yeah, the question is right now: Do the Dolphins bounce back, and do they respond in London next week? If they do, they're two and one, and, and we're we got the season back on track. If not, we're one and two, and then the Dolphins play the following week against a very good Tennessee team, and then the following week they play uh, Oakland. So one and two very easily could could slip into one and four. And I'll tell you what, with this schedule, Dolphins aren't bouncing back from that. So it's this is a game the Dolphins shouldn't have lost, really. You know, and and to take a look at it. And going back to this offseason, the reason I was frustrated this past offseason, I felt the Dolphins spent a lot of money on players that were 29 to 33 years old. And I look at the roster now of what I've seen in 2016 and 2017. Jake Cutler, I think, is a bum. Nate Allen, I think, is a bum. Julius Thomas, bum. Lawrence Timmons, quitter. And then you look at the rest of the defense, you have nine players on this defense making over $6 million a year, and the Dolphins can't stop anybody. It's, it's pretty pathetic as far as I'm concerned, Paul. I don't see this. I predicted seven and nine. I, I don't know if I see the Dolphins getting to that spot. Am I overreacting right now? I'm not ready to throw – in the towel completely yet as much as it looked like the Dolphins were ready to throw in the towel completely in the first quarter this past week. Make no mistake, I'm with Adam Gase on the fact that he's tired of watching this garbage offense, which, let's face it, you're in charge of this offense, so if anybody's supposed to fix it, guess who that falls to? So he really needs to adjust things there. I mean, some of those players – I have not been impressed with Nate Allen. You know I wasn't big on the signing when they signed him. Julius Thomas, I expected – I didn't expect him to block, but I expected him to be a receiving threat. If you're a tight end that doesn't block and you're not a receiving threat, uh, what the hell are you doing up there? Jay Cutler, there was a lot of negative play in this game. I didn't have a huge problem with Cutler last week. But this week, 
there were a few plays where really <laughs> it was clear as day how much this team missed Ryan Tannehill. The entire defense parted in the middle, and he was in front of the line and the D-line and the O-line and had clear green grass in front of him. If Tannehill was in this game, a healthy Tannehill was in this game, he might have had 75 yards rushing at the very least with what the defense was giving as far as running lanes for the quarterback. And every time Cutler had that in front of him, he tried to fire it. One of the times being an interception, another time he bounced it off a receiver, uh, which I can't fault him for the drops. But it's a very, very, very big situation where they need to wake the hell up. I'm willing to forgive Lawrence Timmons if he shows up to play now that he's been reinstated from the suspension, whatever the hell that was about. Let's get him out on the field, see if he's going to do anything for this team but that may need to be re-examined in the off season. Yeah. I, if, if I'm, I don't know. I, I look at the Timmons situation, like I looked at Ricky Williams and Jonathan Martin, I think it would have said more to the team. If I were on that team, it would have said more to me. If you slammed the door right in his face and said, no, sorry, we don't take quitters on this team. Cause that's what he is. He's a quitter. And now he's got to line up next to the people that he quit on. Good luck with that. But anyway, welcome back, Lawrence Timmons. So let's take a look at the Dolphins position by position. Quarterback spot, we're going to go pretty quickly here on the grades. Jay Cutler, the Dolphins had a 42 yards of offense here in the first half, one of the most pathetic offensive showings I've ever seen from them. Jay Cutler, how do you grade him? I'll be nice and go with a D minus here. There was a little bit that he missed out on by the drops by the wide receivers, but again, it, it, there was a lot of stuff that he missed out on by his own damn fault so d minus here and i'm being generous I, i'm going to go with a, a d for the reasons that you said to me when i look at cutler he's slow in his decision making and he has that wind up delivery it's easy for the ball just to go haywire uh, the offensive line didn't help but yeah just just a bad showing overall his stat line which looked somewhat respectable by the end of the game, did not tell anywhere close to the true story. A lot of that was garbage in the last two two drives of the game, as you know. Uh, running back spot, you know, I, I feel bad for Jay Ajayi in this game. 11 carries for 16 yards, an amazing stat. He had 22 yards in this game after contact, which shows how much he got hit in the backfield. But when I look at the stat line, and I see 14 carries for 21 yards at running back. I, I can't give him any more than a D. I'm actually – I know the offensive line wasn't great in this one. I know the Jets have a formidable defensive front, but I didn't see Jay breaking a lot of the tackles the way we're used to. I didn't see Kenyon Drake getting much of a role in this game. I didn't see Damian Williams getting much of a role in this game, whether it was as a receiver or a running back. So for me, I just cannot go anywhere but an F, which is sad to say, at probably one of the deepest and best positions on the team, or what should they? Well, it, it deserves an F when you look at one and a half yards of carry. The receiver position, again, doesn't really try tell the whole story. And fancy football members, you know, Devontae Parker had eight for 76 and a touchdown. Kenny Stills, four for 61. Jarvis Landry caught his usual six passes for eight yards. And uh, so Julius Thomas, through, through two games this year, has 42 yards, which is actually more than I thought he would get this year. So looking at the receiver unit, uh, I, you know, I did not see a lot of separation. I thought the only time that they got garbage, that they got uh, points was really in garbage time. 
And so overall, I'm I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with a D for this unit too. I'm going to give this unit probably one of the better grades I'm going to give out today. I'm going to go ahead and give this unit a, a C, and it's a very soft C. And this is being very generous. They had some drop issues. This is yet another unit where we really need to see some of these role players that Miami has that can do some special things, get involved in the offense. We need to see a little more Jakeem Grant at this point, get that rotation going, keep everybody fresh maybe. We need to see a little more Marquise Gray at this point or a little any Marquise Gray at this point. You know, We need to see some of those things get involved in the offense because those are little wrinkles that make the defense think, and we're not seeing those at this point. Yeah, a couple of guys put up a decent stat line amongst the starters. Julius Thomas, we're going to go with he's part of the whole garbage offense Gase was talking about. And and for me, I'll go with a C, but that's also with the admission that I am being generous based on some of the issues they had. Yeah, uh, no, I can see that. We need to see some creativity. I mean, this looks too much like a Joe Philbin offense right now where we're lining up the same players in the same spots. Uh, the offensive line, I, I'm going to give a big fat I told you so for this past offseason when I said the Dolphins, it was of the most utmost importance that they finished that offensive line. You were actually on the same board with me there to fix that guard spot. And the Dolphins inside, getting mashed by the Jets, could never get anything going. And I think those were where the problems began. At the tackle spot, Larry Tunzel struggled a little bit so far, but I, I still have confidence he's going to really be a good left tackle for the Dolphins. But so far, he struggled in these two games. Jawan James, probably on the starting 22 is the player I've been most impressed by one pressure, according to football focus in the first two games, but the interior of that line is just a mess. And I, I can't help, but think the Dolphins should have finished this position in the off season. So when I look at the offensive line with how much pressure Cutler got in this game and how little room they created for Jay Ajayi, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the D minus. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with the fact that everyone to the left of Juwan James, and to the right of Juwan James that, that threw any form of blocking really stunk in this game. Juwan James, congratulations. If it was just you, I'd probably give you an A-minus here. Unfortunately, with the rest of that line, I've got to go with I've got to go with a D. They didn't give Cutler too, too much time, although I think some of the pressures and, and sacks were created by what you pointed out in terms of the slow decision-making and slow wind-up delivery. We'll go with that D here and might be another generous D. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, one thing I will say, and for Dolphins fans listening to get a little bit of good news uh, here tonight, I thought Davin Gotcha and Vincent Taylor, the Dolphins' fifth and sixth-round rookies, I thought played really well in this game, and they graded out really well uh, when I saw them on film and on Pro Football Focus, too. Davin Gotcha, to me, really answered the, answered the call. I wish the rest of the team would have played like him. And Dominic and Sue, wrecking havoc on the inside you know it's a big reason why the jets struggled to run the ball in this game really the only thing they struggled with but they did struggle with that cameron wake got his first sack i'm looking for a lot more pressure out of the dolphins second through fourth defensive ends that that's andre branch william hayes and rookie charles harris but uh, to me one of the better units uh, of the day i'm going to give the defensive line a c plus i'll give the defensive line a b here uh, for a lot of the reasons you pointed out I know Andre Branch did get a sack in this one, uh, so I wasn't too upset with him. 
But, God, you know, I, I did think Miami drafted a defensive end who's a speed rusher uh, in the first round, but I'm, I'm starting to kind of disbelieve that no matter what my, my sheet in front of me tells me right now because I haven't seen a first-round defensive end on this team quite yet as far as play on the field goes. I've seen, as you pointed out, a couple of late-round defensive linemen that are making a very big impact. But Charles Harris, man, he's got – He's going to start playing like the freaking uh, Jack Link Sasquatch and tearing a few things up out there, or I'm going to get disappointed in, in, in him in a hurry. I'm very disappointed. And I'm, uh, you know, my fiance and I have season tickets to Mizzou. I saw him last year. I always thought the pick was good, not great. But we'll see what happens with Harris. There's a lot of development to go. Linebacker. You know, it's it's a unit where I always go back to this. The Dolphins don't start three linebackers. Really, nobody does in the NFL. You play in base packages so much, you really start two. Uh, Kiko Alonso and Mike Hull played basically every snap, and then Chase Allen played 28 in this contest. Even though it was a huge issue with everything that's gone wrong with the Dolphins, I don't think this unit is necessarily the problem. But then again, it's not necessarily the solution either. Kiko Alonso, you know, I think covers a lot of ground. I think he's doing his job. Mike Hull, Chase Allen, I kind of feel like they're they're doing their job against the run, but and everything with their failure against the pass goes to me to committing too many guys to the line of scrimmage. So it's still just an average unit out there, so I'm going to go smack dab in the middle with a C for the linebackers. I'm going to go with a C-plus for these guys, and I know not everybody's going to love that, but that's going to take into account the fact that three weeks ago uh, or a month ago, Mike Hull might not have even been somebody that was going to make the roster. Chase Allen might not have even been somebody that was going to make the roster. They were not supposed to be starting here. The linebacking core really has taken a hard left turn away from the plan. Luckily, Miami did go out and they traded for Stephon Anthony who I hope we get to see a little bit of this coming week. Hopefully Ray Maului gets this badass in shape because Jesus Christ, uh, you know, you want to be a football player, stop eating. You know, Jesus, that, that's it. Just stop <laughs> eating so freaking much. Uh, how do you get that fat in one off season that you can't get ready with a couple weeks of training camp and th- week three of the season? They had a hurricane bye week. And he couldn't get his fat ass in shape enough to play. He looks—he looks immense. I mean, it's gotta—he has uh, gotta be. I think he's listed. What is he listed at? Two fifty-five, two sixty. Yeah, right. Put his ass on the defense. Jordan Phillips is hurt. Put his ass on the defensive line and let him fucking play. I mean, right? Gosh. Exactly. That's that's it. I mean, I mean, you, you, anybody who tells me that Davin Gotcha weighs more than Ray Maluga. You got to be kidding! Me. This guy's been doing it a pound and big max for the last several weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, cut. so you've got one guy who's too fat to play, and you have another guy who's visiting his the team that he just left, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Lawrence Timmons. Uh, it's 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 really unreal of what's happened at that linebacker spot. Anyway, Paul, moving along so, to the defensive back. Well, I'll, just to reiterate, though, my grade's a C plus. There. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah. Kind of got kind of gone off the rails there. Moving along to defensive back. Here's a scary stat: opposing quarterbacks in the last five games, dating back to last year, on 153 attempts, have completed 113 passes, which is good for almost 74% completion rate. 
10 touchdowns, two interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 117.6. I mean, this secondary, I, I, I blame a lot of it on scheme, but man, oh man, the talent just is not there either. I mean, Byron Maxwell and Xavier Howard, uh, uncontested for the football when, when, when it goes to them. I will say Xavier Howard did way better in this game. Four passes thrown to him, and he, uh, he, had, he had one or two penalties, and only allowed a couple of catches on the day. So better for him. Byron Wag Maxwell, I mean, I, I don't really know where to go with him. I hope the Dolphins get Cordrea Tankersley in there. Ultron Verner led up the really game-deciding touchdown, 71 yards to Robbie Anderson. He was only on the field for nine plays, and one of them was that play. So he definitely doesn't pass the test either. And I, I have to bring it back to money, too. Rashad Jones and Nate Allen combined – making, gosh, what, 12, 13, 14 million combined, uh, are playing 15 yards off the ball and are just never around the football every time. So it's a combination of a lot of different things. But I can't get over just how bad this defensive back unit is. Josh McCown, 18 for 23 in this game with two dropped passes, literally a receiver wide open on every play. Can't forgive that. This unit, to me, uh, gets an F. Yeah, it's, I saw a mind-blowing stat this, you know, following the game. Through the first two games of the season, Miami's defensive backs have one pass defense. Granted, they are wow. still playing a little too far off the ball. They are press man corners. Miami went big at the cornerback position, play press man corner. They're not playing press man corner, so you don't go out and you get press man corners if you're not going to play press freaking man out there. And the other thing, I'll, I will say, Xavier Howard does not get a pass on this for me because his ass should have been kicked out of the game. I don't know if it was the second or third quarter. When the guy clearly beat him and made a better play on the ball than, than, than the coverage should have allowed, and he kicked the freaking guy on the ground. I mean, how dumb ass are you? Not, and it wasn't like it was in the action of the play. The guy started to kick up, get up, and he kicked him over. It's like, I don't know how he didn't get flagged for it. We're all sitting up there going, you know what? Uh, throw the flag. Screw it. Throw the flag. He, he kicked him, and they just went on about their day. But, I mean, you don't kick somebody because he's showing off the fact that he's better than you, and everybody's got to look in the goddamn scorebook to see who the hell the guy is, including the Jets fans. So, yeah, I mean, for me, big fat out. The, this, the, the talent is there amongst these defensive backs. Maybe the scheme's a little screwed up, and maybe their heart isn't in it the right way. But God forbid, you should be one of the more talented units on the team. If, if you've got the luxury, supposedly, of being able to redshirt a guy that looked pretty damn ready to go in the preseason, your guys better be playing up to snuff. I, I, I don't understand it, but, hey, you know what? I'm right there with you. Big, fat F for these guys. Yeah, Cordrea Tankersley, I, I think a part of it is that he needs more development in defending the run. I'm like, is that really so a that. necessary? <laughs> is that really a necessary Sorry. distinction at that point? I mean, do you have the right mm-hmm. to be picking right now? Uh, yeah, I, at least technically, you can get him out there, and he's what is he going to do? Screw up? Everybody's screwing up out there. So put him up know, for we'll Nate, see, Put but, him in for Nate Allen. Nate, Nate Allen needs time to develop at defending anything at all. Yeah, and I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you what. Here's the sad thing: is when Michael Thomas got out on the field. I felt in the third and fourth quarter, maybe because it was junk time, I noticed a considerable improvement of free safety. And that, that's not saying I, much, but For me to say it, it is. And, and I did too. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
<laughs> you know, you know yeah. my thoughts there. Yeah, I've, I've always liked Thomas more than you, so it does mean more coming from you. So, Paul, they need to get a back, get them, get this defensive back unit together quickly because the Saints are up next here in London next week, and and you and you know what's going to happen if you're not ready for Drew Brees. Special teams, not a lot to note here. Matt Hawk, uh, I thought had a much better day. Other than that, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot to go on. So whatever, I'll give the unit a B minus. Uh, I'm going to go with a C here. You know, they they truly flubbed that fake punt. Jakeem Grant fumbled another punt return. Cody Parkey missed an extra point at the end of the game. You know, there were a lot of good things, but I can't I can't get out of the C range when. Your punter's got an interception. Your kicker's got a missed extra point. Your punt returner's got a fumble. And no one looked super special returning anything in this game. So, yeah, for me, oh, and Jakeem did fair catch a ball that he probably should have let go over his head into the end zone. So, all in all, I can't get out of the C range for that. Yeah, I'm actually changing mine just to a, to a C as well. Because right? I'll tell you what, to be honest, I think I blocked out all those things. I was trying to look for something good in this game. Uh, but, yeah, and, and Jarvis, Jarvis, Landry, Jarvis Landry needs to be returning punts. I mean, I, this is something, I, to me, is one of the best punt returners in the game. Jakeem Grant is an accident waiting to happen. I don't want a punt returner who's going to screw up every three times and then a couple of times a season, bust one for a long one. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. That'll do it for our angry and pathetic wrap-up of the Miami Dolphins-New York Jets matchup. Next week, the Dolphins are going to play the New Orleans Saints. Paul and I are going to be right here previewing that as we are every week, as we've shown tonight, whether win or lose. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, and on iHeartRadio. And if it's not on the left side and it's not on the right side, it's on the fifth side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth side. side. It ain't the left side or the right side, side. and it must be the fifth side. Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.